Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny, and this is TKO. Okay, good morning, and I want to welcome my guest, 4th District Supervisor Dan Jurdy to the air. Dan, you're there. Hello, Karen. Thanks for hosting me. Yeah. Well, Dan, Dan has been on the air with me many, you know, several times over the years, many years I've been doing this, and he's been doing politics. Um, but he has his own show now, once a month, called Citizens You. But he doesn't get to talk about these kinds of things, I bet, because he's a supervisor. So this is why I got him on today, because he is our longest, as I said earlier, reigning supervisor on the Board of Supervisors right now, even at his young, tender age. Um, he's been in uh, working for the city of Fort brag in the county for gosh since you've been 28 i think is it dan yeah. yeah anyway so he's got a good perspective i think or a long-range perspective on how the cities work how the counties work and um unfortunately i will say probably good for him probably bad for us he's announced that he's not going to run again for supervisor which gives whoever's thinking about it a long time to think about it and get in line to do it uh so we'll talk about that but i just wanted to talk get dan in so i can ask him the questions about what's going on and get his long-range perspective on the county um so that's why it is so dan welcome to the air on a whole well, different on a whole thank different you. wednesday <laughs> yeah well thank you karen yeah and uh and it, I, I think it's helpful you know we've had a almost we will have 100 percent turnover on the board um with um the election of my successor on the fourth district uh in either in March, uh, but the filing period for that will be in um, beginning in September. So it's only nine months away. And so I wanted to give fourth district residents a chance to decide, hey, is this something they want to do? If it is, you know, you have time to research the issues, see if it really is something you want to do, and then you can file in September for the March presidential primary. Uh, and anyway, but my term actually conti- continues through uh, the first Monday in January of 2025. So I ha- still have two more years. And there's quite a bit as we'll go through <laughs> some items that I really want to focus on in my final two years in public office. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. I want to get a perspective looking back, but I also want to look forward because you you know you're leaving. Um, I don't know that that gives you any more um, caveat or gives you more you know strength to stand up and protest or whatever, but you know the issues and you've been monitoring the issues. Um, and so I think it really helps all of us. And the other thing is, is this length of time that you're given people to consider running, it gives them time to go to the board meetings, see how the board works, because that's a big issue, how the board works together and the committees. It's just not the board supervisors meetings that we, the public, get to see. But there's a whole list of committee work that you do on the side. And I was going to ask you, what committees are you on this year? I didn't, I missed that board meeting or didn't catch it. So we're we're all on quite a few other assignments. Right. Um, some of them are actually some of my my funnest, most most enjoyable work is on some of those other assignments. So, for example, uh, I, I replaced Supervisor Hamburg on the Sonoma Clean Power Board, and I, I would describe that as a very high functioning organization. It's very successful. You know, when there's a, a fiscal risk or a challenge to to the funding of Sonoma Clean Power. You could tell the staff has already thought about it before they brought it to, to the to the Snow Clean Power Board. They've got a game plan. They don't always, you know, can't achieve 100% success on every front, but they've always got a game plan. And and so those fiscal risks of Snow Clean Power don't blow up in the budget and don't undermine their programs, their services to the public. And 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 they constantly therefore are able to exceed expectations. So for example, when we joined Snow Clean Power. 
78% of its power was uh, free of carbon emissions, the sources of power. Today, it's 93%. We gave them a stretch goal a year ago to say, hey, could we get it to 100% carbon-free power to Mendocino, Sonoma County residents uh, by 2030? They came back a few months ago and said, we think we can get there by 2026. That's way ahead of the rest of the states, way ahead of the rest of the country. And, and that's the kind of success that I really enjoy seeing you know, on on any assignment, any board, and and it, it does happen at the county. I want, um, but hopefully we can see it more consistently throughout the whole county. Yeah, I see this. You guys can't see it because I we're zooming, but you can see the smile on his face. It's like I've done nonprofit work since the early '90s, and the different boards I've sat on, the ones that really work and are fun, actually are keep me going and inspired to be on the ones that are not as effective. So I, I imagine being on this really effective committee and do it, you can bring back that positive energy. Say, hey, this really can work. You know what I mean? If we get together and have a plan and look ahead we really can make a committee like this work so you're on the 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 sonoma power you've talked about that on the radio on your show a bit um what other committee did you pick up this year uh uh, well i've since 2003 i've as a city council member as a supervisor i've been on the county transportation planning board so mcog mendocino council of governments every county has one of these entities a a fraction of state transportation dollars um, goes to local governments. Some of that goes through the County Regional Transportation Planning Agency. It's a long horizon organization. So you might be told this year, these are the funds you'll get five years from now. So, so really it's about planning construction projects, typically safety related or circulation improvement projects could be bike and ped, could be roads. And, but it's, it's a fairly limited scope of the way they can typically spend the money. And, and it's a fairly long horizon, but it's, it's, a, it's also a really rewarding. Um, and it's, again, I've been on there since 2003. I was an alternate since 1999. You know, it's something that I really am passionate about, which is uh, making communities more livable through making, um, transportation improvements for bicyclists, pedestrians, and motorists. Um, all, all living in a, in a better community. Oh, good. So you're the one I lobbied to get side, a sidewalk in Boonville for the seniors. All right, cool. Now I know where to go for that. I figured I had to go tackle Caltrans on that. So, so, um, so that's, so you're doing the, did you get on any new committees or are you pretty much staying on the committees that you've worked and know? And I, I was reassigned, um, after a two year hiatus onto the Mendocino Transit Authority. Ah, uh, so I'm also on the Mendocino Transit Authority board this year. And, uh, I, you know, I'm on some other lesser committees, um, but th- that's those are, in my mind, the highlights. Great. So let's just take a look back. Again, just quickly, folks, uh, 4th District Supervisor Dan Jurdy and I are talking about his long-term with uh, being with the county and with the city. Um, so let's look back. You've seen the county... You were you were on the um, city council at the time for Fort Bragg, but you've seen us go through a terrible recession in '08. Then you got involved with the county. You've dealt with the budget crisis and all that. Um, I know we have terrible. We have really difficult budget problems right now. We just found out. We think reasonably maybe two million excess from last year but they don't even know if that we really don't know where the budget is at because of yeah so that's called a carry forward carry so forward money, right about money that. that was unspent the previous right. year it, the auditor closes out the books and and there's usually not always there's usually some carry forward from some of the departments 
that gets brought forward to right. the next year. So what are you seeing? How I mean, you're you're on the inside. I watch these things. I am not on the inside. I've been watching it for years. I monitor the budget. I hear all of the things that are going on. But from your perspective as a supervising and having to make those situ those decisions, how do we really look as a county? I mean, um, well, so so I think, you know, looking back, I mean, because it um, it was a culture change, really, from the city of Fort Bragg to the county of Mendocino. When I got elected to the city council in 1998, the city had a deficit that I inherited that was equal to six. I think it was about six weeks worth of operating expenses. By the time I left 14 years later, we had reserves equal to six months of operating expenses for the into the 10, you know, in the eight year first eight years in the board, we had built up the equivalent of about three weeks worth of operating reserves. When I went in, the, when the 08 recession hit, the county had less than one week of operating reserves before the recession. Again, we had six months at the city of Fort Bragg. County of Mendocino back in 07, 08 had less than one week of operating expenses in reserves. The dollar amount, $7 million in all county reserves. Then, so the 08 recession hits. And it wasn't like a normal recession in that it was property tax driven, which is normally the most stable source of revenue and the county and, and all county governments. That's their single biggest source of revenue of discretionary local revenue. So it was like a double whammy. They had no reserves. So just think about the supervisors that were running for office in 2007. They were making a decision about whether to run in 2007. Things were looking pretty good. The recession hits late 2007. The magnitude they don't know about until they, they've won the election in 08. They take office in 09 and they're, they're left with making what were ever, as everybody knows, huge cuts. They had to cut wages by 10%. They had to uh, eliminate mostly through attrition, but mostly through vacant jobs, but they had to eliminate, I think it was about 30%, 24% of all county jobs. City of Fort Bragg, by comparison, again, we had eight, six months of reserves. We eliminated 14% of city jobs, but no wage cuts to the people who remained. And so it, it was a, it, that just shows you the difference between having those reserves. But again, I, I don't, as I look back at it, it's the culture of county of, and I'm, when I say county in this case, it's going to be both county government, the board chamber room, the politics of the way the reporting takes place. This show, um, not, not included, but, 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 you know, the reporting, think about what happens at a board meeting. At the very beginning of the board meeting, the part of the meeting that gets the most news coverage, you get, you can have literally two people show up to the room. If they can make an articulate case for there's a need in the community, Board of Supervisors, please do something about this. You find us money to help us solve this problem. It could be a hundred people in the room. It doesn't matter. But the narrative is always the same. Here's a community problem. Board of Supervisors, you find us the money. And it's like, you know, there's been all of the additions to the county budget over the year have, have met valid community needs. The problem is there's been no corresponding increase in county revenues to take on all of these new missions. And so, you know, in some cases you might call it mission creep. I know that's sort of derogatory because these are all good things that the county's taken on, but, but the core original functions of county government that existed, let's say, be, let's just even look before 1978 when the, when, when cities and counties could raise property taxes. If something was such an important issue, they could raise revenues through the property tax or even a sales tax without voter approval to pay for that community need. Yeah. That, that authority 
rests entirely with the voters now. It's not an, an, so every time the board is asked to dig into the county budget and fund some great worthy community project, it's really, you know, savaging existing core functions of the county each time it does it. It's true. I mean, as I've always said on this on this show for years and years and years, the amount of discretionary income that you, the supervisors, have to actually work with is minuscule. I mean, it's just like less than, isn't it less than 17% of the budget, I think? I had a number of years ago I could get it out, but the number of the money, the discretionary that you can bring in or use and shift around is very minuscule and you only get it from property tax and sales tax. Um, so that's a big issue that I like the, I like the term mission creep. I mean, it is, it is true. The counties and the cities are doing so much more than they used to do and be responsible for. And I don't know how you actually pay for that. I, I truly don't. I mean, we need, there's not a, there's, we are, we are a money in county. And I've said that too for years. We get more money in from the states and the feds than we give. So we're kind of money in, not money out for the county. So how do you, how do, how do we as a county? I mean, Last time I was on the air, I had the Department of Transportation on. I put out the idea we need to start adopting the roads for potholes like we do for trash cleanup. <laughs> you know, do, is it going to take more um, people in the community stepping up and taking on some of this work? Is that is that some of the idea? I mean, I, I, I think in some ways and, and Karen, I get I do want to kind of get to some suggestions near the end of the show. But I sure. did want to get a chance to talk about some of the positive things that I think are underway that will allow for some of these things to be implemented. All right. I so agree. let's do that. I, let's I, let's let's, let's I do. I do think on the um, big picture, I think yeah. I think we need to be thinking beyond the county budget to solve our community problems. The, the county big picture, the county can assist and can do more when it comes to grant writing and getting state and federal dollars in to assist community projects. I do think that, and, and we'll get to how I think that can work. I think also that we're going to need to look at other funding sources. It could be someone's estate that they maybe they donate it to a, a fund over at the community foundation, and that helps provide um, extra money to a worthy community project. It, you know, And I would say last resort, if absolutely needed, there could be a voter initiative for a tax for a dedicated specific purpose that just isn't going to be fixed without it. But so I, if we could, I'd like to focus on it, at least at first, to kind of set this up, some things that are underway right now that I think are going to make a lasting improvement on the county's uh, fiscal side. Sure, go for so, it. Um, number one, the county has um, made significant investment of both money and and staff time um, and a commitment by county IT staff to upgrade our IT. Um, there's uh, quite a bit of, of software that the county has purchased and is and training employees to use that's going to dramatically improve uh, productivity and the tracking of the budget. Um, and I'll say that it's not just a matter of spending money on it. It's a matter of having staff who want to work the extra hours to convert from an existing software that they understood to something new and different. And, and I, I, I want to, I want to give a shout out to our IT department and everybody involved in that because they stuck it through. There are other county employees who left because they didn't want to deal with a new set of software, but these guys stuck it through and, and they're, they're tra helping transform the, bringing the county into the modern era with this new software. The other thing I want to point out is, is the executive office has been over the last several years developing what I would call a true budget team. Before it was this, uh, kind of an assignment of one or two people. Now Correct. it's an actual team. And that, and that, that needs to be, like I said earlier, they're, they're in, a, 
they are working effectively on on a number of grants. I would like to see pretty much all county grants be be um, uh, pursued through that grant through that budget team because I, again, I think they're so effective. I think we could be more effective with community building grants with grants that would improve county services if it was all coordinated. Not because right now it gets kind of scattered among several departments. Right. And and like on the issue of housing. All community grants for housing are we're relying on planning a building. Well, that's just not really their their thing. And economic development is not really their thing. I, I say let's move it over to the budget team and the grant division in the budget team. I think there we would see much more success. Um, also, the department leadership. One of the things that the the current board has done, which I, I think was fantastic, is we said, you know, hey, in the ordinance for the CEO. The board has the authority um, to give input to the CEO in the department reviews, and but it wasn't consistently happening. I got to say, my first eight years in the board, we only occasionally would be asked by the CEO to give feedback about some of the department heads. Now it's consistently happening. This is our second year of it. It's happening at the beginning of the year, and this is going to give the board much more transparency into those departments and and I think goals and objectives for those departments. And I kind of see it as a department review, not just the department head review so this this brings me back it brings up the topic about the ceo concept or model versus the cao model you were you were not in county government when we had the cao and at that point in time i do believe under that model the supervisors had more direct interaction with the department heads then we went to the ceo model and that was to kind of put somebody between the department heads so what you're telling me is that we can kind of roll back and modify this model so that the supervisors do have some direct contact with the department heads and still be under a ceo model yeah, is that what we you're did saying? It, well, we did it about a year ago. Supervisor Mulhern and I were an ad hoc ad okay. hoc committee, and and we kind of refined the existing ordinance. Okay, but made it more clear that it's sort of a hybrid of the two extremes Great. of those two. Well, I think that was always one of the issues, and I think I mean. The department heads, when they're so distanced from the supervisors, I think there's that concept, and it probably could have been in reality for many years, that the supervisors didn't really understand the challenges and the work that was happening in all the departments. So I think that that's really good to hear because now there's going to be more interaction with those those groups. Yeah, and, and yeah. we do have interaction with basically all the department heads throughout the course of the year, but but it's it, it can be very random outside of this um, or they're bringing for an agenda item. So the okay, next, air, air, I don't know if you need to do a station identification at this point or not. No, do you usually do it? I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll say um, I'm Karen. This is uh, Karen Ottomay. This is TKO. My guest is Fourth District Supervisor Dan Jurdy. See, this is what happened when you have another program on the air with you. Um, and you're listening to KZX and Z, and this is the morning talk show. So anyway, okay. So Dan has a list of stuff he wanted to get out, and then I'm going to okay. quiz, quiz so him. Now I'd like to focus on areas that I believe. <laughs> Again, 10 years into the organization and, yeah. you know, knowing I'll be leaving in two years, sort of looking back, I feel like there's some areas that need attention. Um, and, and again, I'm only picking three areas for all of these, you know, on the, on the positive side, I could have gone way beyond three items, but I just picked <laughs> three. So on the areas that I think need attention and improvement is when, when the county has a project or a program that has the potential for creating a, you know, a budget buster, you know, going above budget. We need to proactively identify what those pro county programs are that could go over budget and have a negative impact on the budget or, or, or construction project, let's say. We have to proactively identify them. 
And part of that gets back to the fact that we're living with just three weeks of reserves. You know, we don't have a big buffer. So if we don't have a big buffer, we've got we've got to keep um, the volatility down on the county budget. So again, if we can um, we can we can do that only if we identify those potential risks to the county budget. Then what we need to do is we need to have a team of people. Could be two people. Could be three. Could be. But whatever, there needs to be in a, people who are named and assigned to monitor those projects and are going to be on some level held accountable for those projects to make sure that they don't go over budget. Right now, and I don't want to name names, you know, people get defensive, but but we have a number of things that have come to the board recently, and they're just the recent examples. It's been the entire time we've been on the board where something blew up way over budget. There's it, you know, failure has is an orphan. Nobody is responsible for it. Yet somebody was responsible. You know, the county has probably 20% of the employees are paid over $100,000 a year. You know, these are not low-paid people who should be accountable for these budget-busting situations. And and so we need we need that accountability. And it, the idea here is not to throw people under the bus. It, and I'll get to how, partly how but I But wait a minute, how do you, but let's just go about this, because I'm just going to throw out one that I know that's been a budget buster. The two budget busters that go over generally are the DA's department and the sheriff's department. And those, they just have to do whatever comes to them. They got 10 murders in a year. It's going to be higher. But the one that I have been monitoring, and you've been monitoring it too, you and I went back a bit on it, is this jail that has to be improved. States we have to upgrade our jail we know we have to update our jail they've stalled it got stalled at the state level with approval or whatever design or whatever and now we're up where the county's gonna eat it to the tune of is it up to seven million or more 12 million 12 excuse me god it jumped up again so is this the kind of project you're talking about or are you are you talking more of internal projects that the board decides to go forward with and they get out of control no, that's an example. Is that that's a good example. I mean, so, so, so again, there are probably, you know, can, can has anybody stepped forward at a board meeting and said, I'm responsible for it? You know, how there are people at the sheriff's office, there are people at, at the county facilities, there's people in the CEO's office. Nobody is accepting responsibility for it. And, and again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but my point is there needs to be a team for anything like this that can get where costs can get out of control. And then they need to develop a game plan. They can't promise 100% success, but they need to have a game plan to, to prevent failure. And and the thing I've been bringing up the last few months is like, this is crazy. Staff is aware of, of the cost escalations of this before the board is aware of it. And you guys it's, find out you're the last ones to find yeah, out. That's, what, that's, where, I'm so, that's so, where I'm at with so it. That's where I'm at with it. So before it gets to the board, yeah. staff needs to, in that, in that in case, staff should have identified the county cannot afford this thing growing to 10 or 12 or $14 million over budget all owned by the county staff should have said a few million dollars ago that back when the state had a surplus the state needs to step up that should have been their game plan that they brought to us instead in in you know i'm bringing it up at the board meeting like wait a second this, <laughs> this the state to, is re, this, the state yeah. is realigning state prisoners from state jails state prisons into county jails yeah. that's the principal purpose of this wing of the jail they need to step it up, and staff needs to be articulating that. They staff has never said that until we started bringing this up at the board meeting. So anyway, so that's just an example. So wait a minute, I do want you to comment though, because I had questioned on the air about why the heck aren't we going against the going up against the state? Why isn't the board of supervisors ranting and raving at the state level, saying it's your guys' problem? You made us do this. You're shifting people back. You got to pay for it. Now you told me um, that you have had discussion with our local reps and they are aware of the situation and going to help is that true dan 
Yeah, they're they're waiting for county staff to develop a, a, a timeline and budget showing the request. So that's not my work to do. <laughs> I'm not the subject area. I'm not the architect. I'm not the project team. What we're waiting for as a supervisor is we're okay. waiting for staff to prepare a written report that goes to the to our legislators so that they can make a, a case for it. So so again, we're waiting for staff, the team that I want, I'm waiting for the team to do their work, which is to prepare the report to go to our legislators to say, here's the timeline, here's the cost increase, here's the reason why the state needs to step up its contribution. Is that going to have to come out of the sheriff's department, facilities management? Where does that report even come from? I think it's all the above. But my all point the is, they're they're they're. For you have like to have this, documentation they're... to shove at the state to say this is the problem. Get us the money, or it's not going to happen. Yeah, you can't just turn in a request with no written backup. I mean, they're they're okay. not going to put the time into it. So anyway, that's an example. Again, this is not about throwing people under the bus. This no, no, about, no, but I think it further explains what you're talking about, because the idea is that we're getting stuck with a lot of these mandates that are not funded. Well, yeah, and, and we don't Seriously. yet have a consistent team approach of accountability for projects like this. Um, and when they do create a budget problem, there's where's the team to develop this, you know, the risk mitigation and the risk mitigation in this case is we need to make a legitimate case to the state, which we can, that says, hey, you cover a bigger share of this project. All right. So okay, other, get on your, back to that, your list. <laughs> back to your and list. Back to, that, back to that team. So <laughs> um, what I really see when I look at other organizations, um, the most successful ones, I think, do a, a and I'm not saying the county's not doing um, anything on this front, but, but other organizations do a better job. And that's on um, staff development. So everybody who's a brand new county employee at an entry level job to a department head who's been here for 30 years, I am not convinced our county has ever offered enough education and and trainings um to to the employees who who move up the chain yes. and um and so one of the for example state of california employees the state of california subscribes to um and this sounds kind of simple this is a recent thing but linkedin videos so there's a training literally on every subject you could imagine there's probably 20 trainings on every subject matter, whether it's dealing with a difficult employee, with to budget issues, et cetera. They might be three-minute, 30-minute videos that are, it's a subscription service. The county has some kind of, but it's not, It's in a different league. This We need to upgrade that up to the LinkedIn service and things like that so that employees um, know when they're in a difficult situation, like, oh, I just go to this little training video. It's it's responsive. They're not, they're not scheduled to go hear a lecture. They just do it instantly online. That's one example. Another example is state of California. Um, they, they strongly encourage employees to do temporary assignments in other divisions or other job classifications. Huh. So it's not like they move up and then they fail. And now what do they do? Now you're stuck with an employee in the wrong job. So what, for, so for example, I know for a fact that Caltrans, the single biggest state agency in the state of California, 20,000 employees, they have a lot of reason to be focused on staff development. What they'll do is they'll encourage their employees to move laterally into an equal job, but in a different division, try it out for six months. Maybe they like it. Maybe it works for them. Maybe it doesn't. But then they move back. There's no shame in moving back to their old job. Interesting. They can, tr they can move up yeah. into a higher job and and maybe they decide, you know, that's for me. It was only a temporary assignment. I'm not being offered that job. But next time that that job opens up, I'm going to apply for a job. Or they might say, you know, that wasn't worth it for me. Yeah, there's an extra 15% of pay, but I'm not willing to take on the extra responsibility that comes with that job. And the problem is when we don't do that, sometimes what happens, I'll say honestly, as far as I can tell with the county, sometimes people have moved up 
because they were the only person willing to take that higher paid job and that extra responsibility. But they weren't motivated. They didn't really want to do it. And now 10 years later, that person's still in that job underperforming. And so what we need to do is, is create this pathway of, of allowing people to temporarily take those assignments. And then hopefully we're only moving those people up because they really know that it's for them. Okay, and let me just add here, though, we, we're we so understaffed right now. This is the other big thing. I mean, again, at the Board of Supervisors yesterday, SEIU was there again saying we're underpaid. We have people that are being underpaid. Um, so possibly the education, the training internally will help maybe bring people in, encourage people to stay that are leaving. But I just don't know how we get through this hurdle of underpaid staff or, you know, that's that's so, a big so we, issue. So, so what you heard the other day was for the um, in-home support workers who are yeah, technically that, employees that. of the of the care people get receiving the care. Uh-huh. And then, but in terms of county employees, and they're not county employees; they're employees of the people they work for. Um, right. But the county employees are actually now, as a group, now there's going to be some exceptions, but as a group, they're now brought up to market. So they are now getting paid what the other comparable counties are paying for oh, the okay. same jobs. The different, and that was one of the, I'd say one of the achievements we did, in the la- we accomplished in the last four years is we did move everybody as a group. Again, there could be some exceptions, but we brought everybody up um, to the market, which was that's comparing those same jobs with Sonoma County, Napa County, Lake County, Humboldt, uh, Nevada, Yolo, and there might be one other county in there. And then there's um, City of Santa Rosa and City of Ukiah. So we've averaged out those those other employers and our employees are now being paid the average of those others. So does that but mean what, we're going to be able to attract more people to look at employment for the county? I, I, I mean, are I think, you feeling think, that that's up? That's I think yes up? and no. I don't think many people are going to move to Mendocino County to take a county job. <laughs> okay. I think I think we principally need to be focused on uh, developing the staff we have here and the people that live in Mendocino County as the principal source of employees of the county. And that gets back to that training, yes. the tr- enhanced training and the temporary assignments. What, what we would see with that is we would see people who are really motivated not being held back for 10, 15 years before they get that promotion. But we're going to see some people move up more quickly in the organization. The ones that are really motivated and want to move up through, if, through that model I just gave from Caltrans, applying it to Mendocino County. Well, but then we're also hopefully going to see fewer people move up just because they've been here forever and it's their turn. And if, I, if I'm not mistaken, there is line items in the budget in every department for training and seminars and all of that. I think that's already in the budget that either is used or not used or I'm not sure how. That was one of the areas that usually got underused at the end of the year budget-wise when I was following the budget real closely by division. So Yeah, so we, we have some of this. I'm just saying I think there's room for improvement in the way yeah. we deploy it. That's a good idea. All right, so next one is your long-term okay. physical so now stress points. Yeah, exactly. that's a good one. These, All right. These are the stress points, points on the county budget. All the so, stress points. So when you look at the county revenues, um, yeah. and let's just compare them to the cities, I think most people would probably say have to agree that the county attempts to offer a wider variety of services than the cities. And yet I think a lot of people would be surprised that the county actually has about only about 80 cents on the dollar for the money that the cities receive. So the, so the, so when you look at out of all the people who live in Mendocino County, it's this county has about 80 cents for every dollar that the cities collectively have for every city resident. Now, someone might say, well, yeah, but but the cities maintain the roads in the cities. The cities provide patrol service in their cities and the cities have a water and a wastewater. And then in case of Ukiah, they also have uh, parks and recreation and they also have um, a electrical system. All true. 
but let's look at what the county provides in all for all county residents, whether city or not. Uh, that that would be public uh, the criminal justice system. So public defender, DA, not the judges, but it would be the the lawyers in the room. It would be the uh, jails, the, the the jail. Dale? It would be the uh, probation department. Correct. Then it would be all social services in city and county. It'd be of course the libraries. It would be uh, it would all, and then. Um, and there are others, you know, kind of administrative services that the county provides inside the cities having to do with county. Then there are um, outside of the cities, the county has patrol and it has uh, road department. So that and planning a building outside the cities. So I think on the whole, I think you can make a pretty strong case that the county is attempting to provide more services than the cities, but with about 80 cents on the dollar. And over a so, greater area. It's over a much broader area, too, which brings in cost, I think. Exactly, exactly. People are, there. it's services that are dispersed through right. over a huge right. geographic area. So that that's one of the stress points of the county, is that we're trying to do more with less. The other is, um, is and again, I brought it up earlier about the, the mission grade. You know, again and again, the board is under intense pressure uh, because of the politics of Mendocino County, where someone can come in, a group can come in and say, look, here's this in- totally valid need. And everybody in the room can agree, wow, this is a really good idea. This is a great program. This is a great service. How can we all work together? But you even hear people who in the meeting would say, well, it's not my job to figure out how to fund it. You guys figure it out. Exactly. And it's like, well, <laughs> exactly. you don't have the authority to increase revenues. So, so I, I've personally worked over the years several times with groups to um, have ballot measures, you know, to to support funding something, you know, whether they go to the county or they go to a different group, you know, but but, you know, we we don't have the ability to print money. You know, we're not the Federal Reserve. <laughs> we have to operate on a balanced budget. And again, we are living with three weeks of operating reserves. It's it's any nonprofit would not want to live on three weeks of operating reserves. I got. I mean, you know that. No, I know that. I, and I've watched this happen in the county. And I understand that when a group of people come up and want you know need something done, it's a desperate situation. It, they do have this concept that there's this big, huge chunk of money sitting in the county that can be dipped into. Um, and the county has, I, I do see the mission creep, and I'm not sure, I mean, considering I've been here for, you know, 40 years, I've seen, you know, the back to landers, we picked up a lot of that. It used to be that we as a community did a lot more, now we expect the government to do it for us, I think. I think that's part of it for me. But, um, okay, so we've got the mission creep, we've got all these things that need to be done that we want to do, and there's just not money. Um and, and the and the and the, the to me the biggest example of where where we have this um, you know stress on the county budget that that is it, it's it's headed for a failure and that's our county roads. <sighs> so so you know here's here's the thing the county roads are funded out of three funding sources a percentage of the property tax yep. and every year every year the board votes to transfer money from the property taxes it's a percentage of our property tax this was something done historically in Mendocino County prior to prop 13 and it's continued since a percentage of the property tax every year gets transferred out of the general fund and over to the road budget once it goes there it can never come back at, you know, if the county's short of money, it doesn't. The county doesn't raid the road budget. It's it's by law. It's in their budget. The problem is, the property tax revenues aren't growing as fast as our as our need for the road budget. 
the other issue is uh, the, the the third second leg of the, st- of the stool that holds uh, holds up the stool is the um, is state funding. State funding was uh, frozen at 1994 levels, but thankfully the state about three years ago restored their funding to 1994 levels and it's indexed. So it's going to go up in the future and keep up with inflation. So so it's not a state issue. The state's funding county roads at 1994 levels and it's indexed. It's so that funding's locked in. The third leg of the stool is federal dollars. Those dollars have not been increased since the Clinton administration in 1994. It's 18 cents a gallon. We all know costs have gone up since 1994 and it's lost over half of its purchasing power. So you've got, you've got property taxes not keeping up with the costs. You got federal funds have half their purchasing power and the state dollars are holding, holding steady. So the, so the issue with county roads is then you look at the number. So we've got 630 <laughs> miles. Yeah. of surfaced county roads 300 miles of unpaved roads oh we had this discussion for a whole hour uh, two weeks ago with with howard with dish, howard, with yeah. howard. So it was six, uh, you know, he, he let it out there it. man yeah this is the way i would put it so we've got 630 miles of of surfaced roads 300 of those miles are never going to be resurfaced again right think about that half of them because of this shortfall I just talked about, mm-hmm. it's not a management problem; it's a math problem. Oh yeah, it's always so, been a math problem. It's and, always and, been. And and just to give people a perspective of what six hundred or what three hundred miles is, that's that's not yeah. to be resurfaced. So let's look at a, at a state highway that everybody can kind of relate to in terms of length. Um, highway one from Sonoma County to Leggett is one hundred and five miles. Highway one hundred and one from Sonoma County to Humboldt County is one hundred and six miles. Right. Those two are only two thirds. <laughs> two thirds of what of we've the, got of the three mile yeah. of the three in terms of length of the of the yeah. three hundred miles of county paved surface roads that are never going to be serviced unless and this is my suggestion again, you know, the only way to solve this problem is to bring in a new funding source. This is not going to be solved with people donating money in their estate when they die. <laughs> No, so like Howard said, I think we're like seven million out now with deferred maintenance, even to get back to decent roads. Right. I mean, just to get them up to speed. Um, So what I did put out on the air last time is that we should start having. um, So first off, is Spy Rock Road in your district now because the lines got modified? Part of it is, yes. Part of it is. So that was been the big issue, people coming in about Spyrac and the potholes. And, and, and so Bell Springs and all and of And Bell Springs, all of that. So I put out that maybe we as a community need to start adopting sections of road to fill potholes like they adopted to clean trash on the state highways. And actually, Howard thought that, you know, we may end up doing that. We may actually have to start getting out there and, you know, cleaning some ditches and filling potholes on these rural roads because they're just it's not the money or the manpower to do this. Well, I would, I mean... Seriously, it would make some. It would make a difference in certain areas, maybe. But but I think you know, holistically, again, I, I, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm going to get anything out of it. I'm not. I know, <laughs> I, Me I, either. Uh, I I won't be here when the county roads suddenly get better. You know, and 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 I live in, in city limits, so right. I'm saying this honestly as someone who's looked at the problem for years. And and this is my my prognosis. The only solution to this, if you really want to solve it, it's going to take a, a ballot measure by the citizens of Mendocino County. Look at the success of the library supporters. Exactly. Have. And the fire one. I will say that's the other thing we've talked about is budgeting by ballot. Ballot, you know, that's some of what we've been doing. And I think, you know, when it when it has a specific purpose, I think you can get the voters out to approve it. The difference is I the really believe that. Is, but with the library is is because when it by law by court case in California the yeah. state supreme court has ruled that if the voters take 
a proposal to the ballot, not the Board of Supervisors, not Correct. the City Council. They can take a, a ballot measure to the voters with a specific purpose and not be required to get two-thirds The, the two-thirds, correct. And I think and that's so, the way to do it. And, 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 and they can guarantee exactly how the money's being spent. So again, if people really want to fix these county roads, the only way it's going to be fixed, in my opinion, is, is a funding source. And, and let's look at what those funding sources could be. Well, the, the sales tax outside of the cities is a full one cent lower than it is inside of the cities because the voters in the cities have approved repeatedly sales taxes that apply just to the cities they've got they they all have half cent sales taxes for city streets they all have half cent sales taxes for other city purposes there's no there's no county sales tax that's just outside of the city now the cities get a lot out of it because 60 percent of all sales tax collected in our county is collected within the cities only 40 percent is collected outside of the cities so a sales tax doesn't have as much impact in terms of a problem outside of the cities that it, the way it does in a city. Right, and it's but a, it, again a smaller area. You're dealing with small, compact areas yeah. that you can be, get reasonably done things things done um, in. So, but another thing to look at is on the coast, Point Arena and Fort Bragg have voter approval for um, a transient occupancy tax. That's a hotel lodging tax that the visitors pay. It's twelve percent. County of Mendocino, and the vast majority of the county's lodging is on the coast. It's not inland. Right. So, but in the county, it's only ten percent. I was going to say. Yeah. So, if huh. if you if you had a hybrid of the two, you combine two percent visitor tax, three percent visitor tax, take your pick, and and a half cent sales tax. You add those two together, you could actually solve. The, I've done the math. You could solve the county road problem with those two together on one ballot you'd permanently solve the county's road problems. And the tourists would be paying a good chunk of the money, and you'd have a, you'd leverage those local tax dollars. And the truth is, many county residents are already shopping inside of the cities. To, you know, Half of the city of Fort Bragg sales tax comes from people who don't live in city limits. Same thing with Ukiah. So county residents are already paying that higher sales tax. They're just paying it when they shop in the city. They would th This would just bring the county sales tax to... It would, the county sales tax would still be a half cent lower than than it is in the cities. And if you combine the, the hotel tax with that half cent, you could permanently fix the county roads. Interesting. We'll have to think about that one on the, off the air. Um, so we're, you know, we're, always, we're talking about raising more money, talking about taxes. So let's switch over to where would you see us cutting some money? You said you're talking about mission creep. So we need to pull back some of the commitments we make and really look you know, physically, fixedly look at these projects that come and we go, oh gosh, yeah, we want to do that. Um, one of the things you came up with that you voted, that you were the lone vote, uh, you know, on a no vote on it was this whole thing. I mean, I love promoting Mendocino County. Okay. We have the promotional, um, what is it? The visitors, visit Mendocino you were talking about and one of the things that i thought was an interesting concept to look at is there was six hundred and forty thousand dollars that goes to this organization to promote the county which is great and you said well let's just roll it back a bit this year and you couldn't even get that through remember that so board meeting agreed <laughs> do you remember so that board meeting it was a good it was a very interesting discussion and i was sitting there going yes this is a great concept we need to roll we need to be looking at where we can cut not only where we can tax yeah, so Supervisor Hashak and I, um, when we were adopting the budget, actually we've, we've, we have new concerns about the budget that we didn't even have when we were voting on the budget, but right. several months ago. 
but at the time I had I I was proposing and Supervisor Hashak supported it um, a, a curtailment of what we give to the promotion. So years ago, the county of Mendocino was giving money and has to this day given money to promote the county. Um, on top of that, there is a collection that the agency it's a separate group collects from the lodging operators and they're collecting one percent from all the lodging operators and together we're and we're matching 50 cents for every dollar that they collect and but the thing that i pointed out was we're giving that 50 cents not just for what they collect from county lodging operators we're giving that 50 cents for what they collect from city lodging operators Correct. and my point was look 20 years in it's time we don't have that money anymore we don't you know they they their budget has grown exponentially over the years they don't really need it won't be a, there will be no significant consequence if we don't provide that city match they can go to the cities and ask for the match i don't i don't think the cities have to give them the match if they don't want to but then later this year as we started to see um, other budget problems i publicly said you know i i think starting next year I, i'm going to be supporting next year's budget i'm going to be supporting zero contribution from the county wow they're 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 looking at you know they have a budget now without county money of over a million dollars a year that's enough to do their core mission which is in my mind it's it's to respond to travel writers per, you know host the travel writers make sure that they understand everything that they can cover because i think that's the most cost effective way to promote the county it's not running ads you know i've never traveled to some place because i saw an ad I might have traveled someplace who had a travel writer got my interest. Yeah. That, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. So, well, I thought that was a good idea about how we can start monitoring and cutting back. Um, what are some other areas that you think seeing this and going forward? You've got two years left. What are some issues, you know, about cutting back some of the budget or getting getting us living within our means? I guess is what we need to do. We need to start living within our means. Well, any so creative this ideas? This is this is a long term project, but as as we mentioned earlier, we've had a lot of upgrade for our county IT, and yes. and that will improve productivity and budget tracking. The but when you have a project like that, there has to be someone in the room who's willing to take on that project. And just as the anecdote, I was in I was in a, a kind of a small meeting of the budget leadership folks in two thousand and thirteen. Um, and when we were first discussing, well, first time I was in a room where it was being discussed, no one in that room is still working for the county except for me. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not implementing that project. So there were, the body language in that room was no, almost nobody in that room wanted to upgrade the, the software that was No, the IT, pro the IT issue has just been horrendous because it's a difficult issue to begin with. You've got to do it countywide. And I, I don't know, are we, are we all on the same IT issue or on the all? Yeah, so, I so think every department had their own, it, in, own IT approach is what I was it, saying. It's being implemented now, but I'm saying, but my, my point simply is that, that typically good ideas just don't get implemented. For the only, and the main reason is the people who, who know the problem exists don't honestly want to do the extra work. It's going to take, like when you transfer from one software to another, there's a lot of extra work transferring from one to the other. Oh, it's been and terrible. That, and, and that example, again, nobody in that room is still working for the county because, because they didn't want to do that extra work. And so, so the other example I've given recently, and it's not like a new idea. It's been around for years. It's not like a, a, a new brilliant idea. There is no logical reason why we have 
three different 24-7 dispatch centers between the cities yeah, and the county. We talked and about that, yeah. They, it, it, it would be a cost saving and it would be an improved level of service. The only reason why it has never happened is because some group of people will have to do extra work to transition to one unified system. So what I'm hoping will happen, because a lot of these things take time, and you'd take them in steps. So what I'm hoping will happen in the next couple of years is at least we'll, the cities and the county will all go to the same uh, dispatch equipment and 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 software system. So if it, if we could take baby steps like that, we'll be a little bit closer to the day when when dispatch gets consolidated for for PD and for sheriff in one system. We can all save some money and we can all deliver better service for the public. But again, the real obstacle there isn't. The, the fact of whether or not it's a good idea. Everybody knows it's a better idea. The only thing that's stopping it is who's going to do the extra work to transition to, to one To pull system. everybody together to get under one umbrella. All right. Um, so uh, Dan Jurdy is on the air with me, 4th District Supervisor. We're all over the chart talking about what's going on in the county, his perspective on what needs to be done. What are you What are you going to focus on in the next two years? I mean, what do you? What, what, what's your mandate? Your personal, like, I really want to get this done before I get out of here. Well, we've been talking about some of them. I, okay. I really so want to see a better system for, for, for allowing county staff who are motivated to move up into the organization and take on bigger responsibility. But I want it to be the right fit for the right person. And that's how we talked about earlier on the, on the training and the temporary assignment idea. Um, outside of the organization, some of the things that I'm also focused on is uh, is our, our roads, as we talked about earlier, but also is um, our, our climate plan. So the, the board took a, a really big step uh, a year ago in saying we want this organization, our county government, to be carbon free. We, we even were able, fortunately, we had one-time money from PG settlement money. We set aside $2 million as seed money, kind of a uh, um, uh, jumpstart fund to apply for state and federal grants, because this is the future. I mean, yeah. the future is not with internal combustion engines it's not with carbon it's with carbon free sources and a lot of that success that we've already brought to the county is with Sonoma Clean Power and they're a great partner so as again as I mentioned when we joined them 78% of their power was carbon free now it's 93% we're on track to deliver 100% carbon free power they are, they are experts that we can lean on to help us with installing electric car chargers other and get other programs and rebates into the community so the County Transportation Board that I'm chair of, the Mendocino Council of Governments, um, it's, an, it's a great platform for the cities and the county to work together because we're all in it. And so one of the things that we did recently, uh, last couple of years, is we said, hey, we want to bring more rebates to Mendocino County residents, city residents, and businesses to, to move to cleaner technologies and uh, more efficient devices. Sonoma Clean Power offers some of those rebates, but we want to bring in more money directly from the Public Utilities Commission into Mendocino County. We want to get those dollars out. So our, our, uh, we joined with Humboldt and, our, and an alliance of other rural counties, and we're hoping through, through MCOG to be a partner with Humboldt and Sonoma to bring more of those rebates into Mendocino County. And so th- I, I think we can get that, if are that pe- grant's approved. Are we'll local people launched. taking advantage of that, though? Are you seeing people step up to do that? Because, I mean, going green is a great concept. I've been off the grid since 80. I have very, you know, minimal carbon impact. But I know it costs. It costs the norm. Just everybody can't afford to get a, you know, EV car. Not a lot of people can afford to get off the grid. You know, that kind of stuff. So... Are people taking advantage of it, or is it only the people that can afford to do it anyway taking advantage of it? 
I wonder. So I know many people in Fort Bragg and other areas that have propane heating systems or kerosene that right. are older than that, and they're aging out, so they need to be replaced. And if you talk to you know, some of the local businesses that install heating systems, they're increasingly already installing these more efficient uh, ductless mini-split systems right. that are electric. Yeah. And knowing again, if we know our electric system is is clean energy coming in, then the con- the faster we help people convert, the the better. And so these rebates that Sonoma Clean Power is offering that we're trying to add to through this other uh-huh. venture with other rural counties, we're talking about giving people rebates two, three, four thousand dollars to doing something they already want to do and their neighbor has done, but they just. When the, when they understand that they can get those rebates, I think we're going to see people move even quicker over to those other better technologies. Are those available now? They are. Contact Sonoma Clean Power. Okay. I'm hoping the rebates will be even bigger in the future, but already Sonoma Clean Power has them. And one of the changes we made recently is initially they were required by this by the Bay Area Group to only give the rebate to a contractor that was in their program, which meant almost nobody in Mendocino County because the contractors are so busy, they weren't enrolled. So what we, Summit Clean Power changed about six months ago because I, I, I and others were bringing this up, is um, that rebate now could be applied for directly by the homeowner or by the business. They don't have to wait for the contractor to be in the program. They're just, a, it, you know, it's going to be still installed by someone who knows what they're doing, you know, maybe certified by the company and that sort of thing to install their system. But for example, I installed, I didn't get any rebates, but when I built a house in Fort Bragg, I installed super energy efficient ductless mini splits because I knew how cost effective it was. Oh, it yeah. made no sense to yeah. go with something else. Yeah. And the other thing is, is we are going to be getting away from propane and, and natural gas, I think, in the future. And California is already moving that way. And the other thing is, if you're all electric, you can go off the grid and supply your own power with solar panels and all that good stuff. Stuff. So it's a great idea. I just know it's very costly to do it. So I've I would got- definitely urge people to contact Sonoma Clean Power's Energy yeah. Center in downtown Santa Rosa. They have a website, but there are existing rebates they can directly apply, and I would talk with their staff about how to do that. Okay, so that's you're going to be working on that, which is really great. Um, any other big issues coming up before the county? Since we only have a few minutes left, you've got to, you still have to split a little bit early. Do you have I've got to go to board. We have a, a open session, then closed session in about three minutes. Okay, so about you give me. I got three more minutes then. Or I got two more minutes. Okay, because the phones are ringing, but I'm not going to. Sorry, callers, we're just not going to be able to take any calls today because we're getting all this information out. Okay, so serious. You're going to work on the power, the energy, and all that. Uh, what other issues are coming up? Are you going to work on? Do you work on the cannabis issue, which just seems to be a mess, and I just can't even cover it. It's such a mess. It was supposed to be this great wealth of money coming in. It's not happening, and it just seems to be in this spinning spiral. I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah, Dan is laughing, folks. He has a big smile on his face and going, oh, my God. I think his eyes rolled there for a minute, too. Well, so I just put it this way. When I ran for office, yeah. the, the issue of cannabis typically was, um, it was literally about three sentences in the board's legislative platform. <sighs> cannabis should be legalized, taxed, yeah. and regulated. Yeah. And then County Mendocino was the head of most counties in California in saying that. Should have been, and, yes. And and then what happened? Well, it became legalized and regulated and heavily regulated. And, and we were one of the first counties in California to adopt an ordinance to regulate cannabis. The good and the bad was, well, we were proactive. The bad was that we, it turns out what the state wanted wasn't exactly what we adopted in that we, anyway, it's too long of a story, but basically. Bottom line, are we ever going to get out of this spiral? 
I, I, it's for some people, they will be in the legal system. Others will remain in the untaxed, unregulated system. And then, and then the really big businesses that are in the commodity yes. side, yes. they're going, they're in other counties. I mean, because uh-huh. there are other counties that allow really large scale commodity scale cannabis. That's, they're going to those other counties. So Mendocino County pretty much got what it wanted, which was very small scale, craft scale. Unfortunately, between the county and the state's regulations, it's not a cheap, easy way to get a permit nope. from the county or nope. the state. And so, you know, um, it, it takes a lot of capital for people. And I, I'm not saying this is the case with everybody, but I know that some cannabis growers had told me early on that for every, in at least some people's cases, for every um, farm that was in the permit program, there might have been two farms un, uh, not in the system to finance all the regulation and the and the, yeah. and the analysis needed to get the one farm through the system. So bottom line is we should just take that big number out of the budget that says this is what we're going to bring in for cannabis. That's kind of my bottom line. We had this huge number of revenue coming in from the cannabis, and that's not going to happen. No. Yeah. No, not going to happen. All right, you got to go. I know. All right, you're out of here late. Thank you, Dan. Dirty so much for coming on the air. Keep up the good work. You got two years. Go get them, dude. Go get them. Thanks, Thanks, Karen. Okay, bye. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willitson Dukaya 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.